Hey everyone, my name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 107 of the show, where we're diving into the second release week of October 1965. And uh, that's October 12th. October 12th. Lucky number 107. Yeah. is Yeah. Is that a lucky yeah. number? Well, the seven part is. It's and I also like the number 10, so it kind of works. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Well, we're know. on Sergeant Fury 25, and I'm a little bit, wow, we've done 25 of these. <laughs> that is a little crazy. I mean, okay, so I never gave Sergeant Fury two thoughts as a kid. But then uh-huh. whenever I was doing Avengers Inspirations with Lily years ago, I was like, Sergeant Fury is Nick Fury. I mean, he's the guy. We should do that. Mm-hmm. She was not enthused at right. all. Right, right. But I've always kind of figured he's the like the redheaded stepchild of the early Marvel universe. Like Sergeant Fury is part of the thing, even though it feels separate. So I, I'm glad that we're doing them here, even though they feel a little bit sometimes throwaway. They feel one note a little bit. They feel a little repetitive. I'll probably admit at this point, now that Torch and Giant Man are gone, it's my least favorite thing we read. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That Daredevil really hit me hard. But uh <laughs> But I still don't regret reading them. I think it's cool. I've never read these before. It's neat to see, like, Marvel World War II as opposed to, you know, timely World War II. So. Right, right. Well, I kind of love the premise of this one, even yeah. though the premise of this one might not actually be the premise of this one. We'll talk about <laughs> that in a minute. It's suspect. Yes. Um, all right. So, Every Man My Enemy, written in rage by Stan Lee, penciled in panic by Dick Ayers, Delineated in Despair by John Tartaglioni and lettered in the office by Sam Rosa. (laughs) Suddenly receiving urgent orders to return to their base in Britain, the Howlers cut short their furlough, leaving a wounded dum-dum Dugan behind them in a stateside hospital. So they were in the States last issue. They were enjoying a um, holiday that involved celebrities and um, not Nazis. And so they got the call, hey, you got to come home. So they come back home and they find out that there is a spy in the base. Captain Sam Sawyer has discovered this and he needs the Howlers back to help figure out who it is because the Howlers have not been on base. They're the only ones that Sawyer can trust. So they get to base. They run into Bull McGivney and Bull McGivney is giving his, you know, bull that he always gives. Um, the Howlers go meet with Sam and... Um, Sam tells them that, you know, that's their job to go figure out who the uh, spy is. He said, hey, Fury, I've got a special job for you. So all the other Howlers leave. He's like, Fury, you're going to go do um, another mission. And you're the only one I can trust with this mission. You have to deliver a crucially important packet to the French underground. Three freedom fighters will transport you across the channel. Here's your rendezvous point. So he sends Fury off. And Fury's like, wouldn't it be crazy if Captain Sawyer was actually the spy? And Captain Sawyer is actually the spy. (laughs) After Fury leaves, Sawyer takes off his face and his black wig. And he's like this rugged looking German dude who is the Red Skull. He never actually wears the Red Skull mask in this uh, issue. But yeah, he's the Red Skull. So Fury goes out to the rendezvous point to meet the three French freedom fighters. 
Uh, they're kind of French looking, but they're more rough and tumble than he expected. And they're actually taking him hostage, which he does not appreciate. Um, back on the base, the howlers are wondering um, about the spy. And the Red Skull has taken on the disguise of Sergeant Fury. So he's walking down the street, pretending to be Sergeant Fury. And he runs the Bull McGivney. And Bull starts giving him Bull. And Red Skull's like, okay. If this guy is being this rude to Fury, Fury must actually be kind of scared of him. I guess I'm have to take a dive. Even though I am Hitler's prime lieutenant, I must suffer the indignity of this man's hands upon me. And uh, he takes a dive and lets Bull beat him up, which Bull is super excited about. Um, Dino Minelli runs into the fake Sergeant Fury and uh, notices a couple things are kind of off about him. He's yelling at him for no real reason which evidently is unusual. He tells the other howlers that maybe Sergeant Fury is not Sergeant Fury. Meanwhile, the real Sergeant Fury is fighting the guys on the boat and he, uh, the boat blows up and he dives into the water and swims away back to shore. Um, the howlers decide that they're going to go after Sergeant Fury. They see the fake Sergeant Fury running towards the docks. A boat approaches the real Sergeant Fury arrives in the water right at the time the fake Sergeant Fury is running off. The MPs start shooting because they're wondering why people are trying to, you know, sneak on a base or sneak off a base or whatever. Red Skull Fury gets away and the MPs find real Sergeant Fury and they think that he's the bad guy, the spy. And the Howlers, who also thought that Sergeant Fury was the bad guy, the spy, he, uh, they're like, okay, he got captured. But... As Fury is being marched past the Howlers, Fury gives a little poker clue to Reb as they walk by. And I was like, wait a second. He's referring to the last poker game we played. That must be the real Sergeant Fury somehow. So now they know that real Sergeant Fury is here. Uh, back on base, Happy Sam Sawyer is back, which means the Red Skull is back in the Sawyer disguise. Um, there are some shenanigans with trying to get... The Red Skull, uh, he disguises himself as a random dude. Fury goes after the random dude. They fight on a raft. They ties random dude to the raft and knocks him out. Um, there are some Germans nearby who start shooting at them. Um, it all kind of comes together in some typical Howler action. When they get back to base, everything's all right with the rain. Uh, Red Skull had gotten away with the Germans. Bull McGivin, he's like, I beat up Nick Fury. I'm so cool. I'm hot snot on a silver platter. And Fury's punches show Bull that, no, he's really just a cold booger on a paper plate. And whenever they get back to their offices, they see a letter from Dum Dum. He's out of the hospital, and they've put him on detached service with the Fairy Command as an aerial gunner. He will not be rejoining the Howlers. What? Except in the caption at the bottom of the panel, they say, never mind, he actually is coming back next issue. Don't worry, don't write us letters. That's a really weird thing for them to do, don't you think? Undercut the drama with the caption? Yeah. yeah right? It's kind of weird. But anyway, oh, maybe they really just didn't want anybody to whine about it. Because I would have. Yeah, yeah. If, like, Dum Dum Dugan was not coming back to the uh, book, yeah, that'd be What weird. is the point of that? Yeah. So I was reading this issue and I was thinking, would it be great if the one person who's telling them to look for the spy actually is the spy? And then mm -hmm. Fury agreed with me that what if Captain Sawyer was the spy? And then, yes, Captain Sawyer was the spy. So 
based we had like a very very brief discussion about this issue before we started recording and I know you thought the same thing I thought so let's just get that you know elephant in the room out of the way like what do you think about this whole Red Skull business so I had been <laughs> wondering if maybe this is like a writing versus art yep and that this is Lee's invention yep it could totally be Ayers is you know joint creation that they came with the idea together but there's nothing in the art that says it's the Red Skull. And then when I posted I had read about this issue in my uh, Marvel Comics fan group on Facebook, someone else independently volunteered that they had heard the same thing. Mm-hmm. This was a standard saboteur plot, and Stanley decided to spice things up a little bit. Yeah, and I don't know why I immediately thought that, too, as I was reading this, other than it just doesn't scream Red Skull, really. No, you no, know? it doesn't. And... They do say in his thought balloons that he's a master of disguise on disguise. Mm-hmm. Which so is true you, of the Red Skull. So, But then you think that, okay, so this blonde face that they keep showing is another disguise? Because we can't see his actual face, right? But I think initially this was just supposed to be the guy. Mm-hmm. So it was some random blonde German guy, and then they decided, no, that's another disguise, and he's really the Red Skull. But this just seems like low rent or, you know, below his pay grade, you know? Like... What's he trying to do? He's trying to bomb this base. That's it? He's not trying to take over the world? Nothing? Like, see? That's why it's not really a Red Skull. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the timely Red Skull plots I, I read. Of course, some of his early stuff is just, like, killing people in power to make it yeah, way. that's true. Or, that's true. But but still, this this does seem even lower rent than that. Yeah. Um, I do think that the yellow-haired face is the actual face. So oh. I think we can say that we have seen the Red Skull's face here. No, I don't I don't like that. I don't think we're ever supposed to know what the Red Skull looks like. But we see the Red Skull in Captain America 300. Yeah, when he's old and unrecognizable. <laughs> I mean, by that point, it's the big reveal, right? Right. I don't know. They just went out of their way to say disguise over each other, or wearing countless disguises over each other, as if to say this is just another face. I don't know. But you prefer the idea of not... And when we got yeah. his origin story, we did not ever see Bellhop's face. Yeah. I like the idea of not seeing his face. I don't know why. I don't know what that does. Because mm-hmm. he's just he's just a person anyway. He's just a bellhop. But you know he's what it Agent is? It's, Smith. it's that moment where the Hitler looks in his eyes and is scared because he sees so much evil percolating in his eye soul. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, you can't draw that. That just has to be left to the imagination. So... You know who would be really good at being that face? Huh. But I would not want to think of him as being the Red Skull. <laughs> um, what's his name? Is it Jackie Earl Haley? Who's that? The guy who played Fred Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Oh. He played uh-huh. um, Rorschach, Rorschach in the Watchmen yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. I might not have his name quite right, but it's something like that. Yeah, he'd be a good... Like, you, he's really good at playing evil face. He is. He could definitely be a face of hate. Mm-hmm. Anyway... I- I guess it's up to the interpretation, and so who cares, right? Either way, whichever way works, because we're never mm-hmm. going to see the face again. Yeah, and... And he certainly looks like an angry person. And this is, this is a Red Skull story before we've ever even seen him in the modern day. So right now, this is like Captain America is fighting the Red Skull sleepers in the modern day, but so far, all the Red Skull stuff we've had is in the war. Yeah, that's true. He's not alive yet in modern day. He may or may not be dead. Right. He's Skull, he's Skull, he's Skull, he might be dead. Um, I feel like there's something a little bit sweet, but also a little bit sad about how Manelli figures out this is not Fury. Uh-huh. It's like, 
I mean, the Sarge yells at us, yeah, but usually there's a reason. Is there? Yeah, I don't know about that, Dino. <laughs> Maybe it was just off in the way he was yelling. Mm-hmm. I also think, because now we know Bull McGiminy is actually a, quite a good, formidable fighter, mm-hmm. that, that the Red Skull would have no chance against him even if he wasn't taking a dive. Right. Because I'm just not really into the Red Skull being a physically threatening person, really, for the most part. He's supposed okay. to be more like a mastermind kind of guy. See, I thought he was Captain America's equal physically, but his superior mentally. I thought that was his shtick. I think by in the 300s, like you're talking about, or more like 350 or so, he gets Captain America's body as a clone body, and that's when he becomes like the super soldier idea. I don't know. I never really thought of him that way before, but they always do seem to want to do that, don't they? They fight a lot in the 70s. I feel like they fist fight a lot in the 60s and 70s. I guess we'll find out. I just don't remember that. But yeah. like in the movie, he's a super soldier. Mm-hmm. There were some comic books where he's a failed super soldier. Like that's the new thing they always do is he's the failed super soldier to catch successful ones. So right. I don't know. I always thought of him just as more of a mastermind kind of character. But I was thinking about how it's neat that they've brought out this card shark side of Reb Ralston lately. Uh-huh. It just kind of adds to his personality in the book. He's something mm-hmm. besides the southern freckled guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they use that here as a clever way for Fury to convey that he's really Fury. But if they hadn't started doing that two issues ago, it wouldn't have worked. So not to make this all like, you know, Big Bang Theory, Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark problems, but like uh, if there was no spy in this, they would have succeeded. Who? Oh, the Germans? Because somehow the Germans are all there on this watchtower with the bombs ready to go. And nobody knows that, but they all find out about it by chasing the spy. So if the spy oh. didn't go around being a spy... They could have just blown the thing up that they wanted to blow up, I guess. You're not wrong. Because they got into the base somehow, despite these MPs. Which I think stands for military police, unless we're talking about British government. And then what does it stand for? I don't know. Oh. I think the M is minister, but it's not prime minister because that's, you know, that's the main one. All the other ministers are MPs. Ministers for the people? I don't know. Oh, you mean they don't have MPs in the UK government? Or I I think like in their legislature the parliament ah. all the people who represent all the different parts of the uk they're mps mm. well would, yes this stands for military police definitely harriet jones mp flydell north oh yes i'm sure she was a military police though she probably was harriet jones definitely strikes as a military police <laughs> hannibal <laughs> doesn't she look tired uh anyway oh yeah that was she made up happened. for it she made up for it she made up for it strange tales 140 yeah, I guess we're done, huh? Uh, only if you are. No, I am. But that's me, though. Shoot. Strange Tales, number 140. Hang in. Hang in? I'm off to a good start. Hang on to your hat. It's the end of Hydra. It feels like it should be hats, but I don't know. Maybe they're just talking specifically to me. It um, is It is for you, Mike, that they wrote this book. Senses Shattering Story by Stan Lee. Power-packed presentation by Jack Kirby. Drama-drenched drawing by Don Heck. Whoa. Dreamy designed delineation by Joe Sinnott. Boo Boo Bulging Balloons by Sam Rosen. That just sounded wrong. Yeah. Um, but hold on a second. We have three art credits. We do. So Kirby's doing layouts and Don Heck's drawing and Sinnott's inking. Yes. So Kirby's layouts must be really rough. Yeah, good point. Um, it sure doesn't look a lot like Don Heck, although it kind of does. But it doesn't. So I wonder if he's like just barely involved. But anyway... Yeah, it's called the end of Hydra. Now, in a, oh, we hate to say it, but Nick Fury is still a prisoner of Hydra. Now, in a, des- a daring escape attempt, aided by the daughter of his evil 
arch enemy. Fury finds himself trapped by a powerful mechanized hunter device as Hydra's deadly Betatron bomb continues to orbit Earth, menacing the entire human race. So yeah, that's where we start. Fury's wrestling with this tank creature that has Dr. Octopus arms. That's our new thing now, Dr. Octopus arms. Mm-hmm. Um, Hydra's daughter girl goes, I'll take care of this, and hits it with a pipe, but that doesn't work, and she gets shot. Nick's like, I know what to do, and he turns it over, and that just makes the robot impossible to, you know, it can't deal, basically. Uh, meanwhile, this is going to be really hard for me to describe. I really was trying to figure out the best way to describe it, and I can't. But Dum Dung and Dum Dung, Dum Dum and his and Gabe and their elite shield force are attacking Hydra and trying to find Nick. And they have this thing called the Electro Jab, and it looks like a tuning fork, kind of. And they all hold it like horizontally, and there's a gun in front that zzzzzzz or zaps. And they're all inside this tuning fork and somehow aren't sitting ducks. I guess it's like the ultimate weapon, and it just cuts through Hydra. But honestly, really silly. Okay, so in order to combat that, they, 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 they... Hydra has skateboards. I was just going to say, they, they, I'm trying to work the word, issue out, or they, you know, summon or call for the skateboard units of the Tiger Assault Force. And those guys just skate circles around them, I guess. And so just as they're about to die and stuff, Nick reconnoiters and they all get together. And, you know, Nick is a good shot and stuff. So he basically turns the tide and they all start winning. Hydra's like, what do we do? And he and the leader's like, well, I guess I got to kill all of you and everybody. And she, they're like, what about your daughter? Or what about us? And they're like, nah, I don't know. She betrayed me. And I don't care about the rest of you. So he does a cap sad walk through the curtain. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, Tony Stark has been piloting his uh, brainosaur into space. He's the only one who can do it because there's just not enough time to train anybody else. And it's a really delicate process and it has to be flawless and he's sweating and it's really scary. And how are you going to dis- disable it? And it just reaches out an arm and like unscrews the trigger. Bomb. Rendered useless. Everybody says, yay. Um, The Hydra leader walks upstairs. He takes off his cloak and he reveals himself to be, um, I got it, I got it, to them. I was a little nobody. As Farrington's secretary, my presence was never even noticed. But when humble Arnold Brown donned his padded hood and his thick-soled shoes, he became a giant a man whose word was law. I had no friends, no life other than Hydra. Only my daughter mattered to me. And now, in order to destroy Fury, I must doom her also. Once I press the destruct button, I, Arnold Brown, shall have lost everything. And yet, press it I must to be continued. Arnold dun, Brown. Dun, dun, dun. Huh? Arnold Brown. I was so shocked. I was like, who? <laughs> In the very first scene of The Office, mm. you said, I mean, if it's this little guy with the mustache, I'm not going to care. Oh, <laughs> well, it was. <laughs> they made sure it was every, they made sure we cared about everybody else but him, I guess. Yeah. He was the uh, the background character who turned out to be a person. But that sure wants, I'm, I mean, I don't know if I really want, but part of me wants to read whoever comes along with later and tells us the backstory of how this meek Arnold Brown secretary guy created this world 
terrorist organization. I think it but was. I don't know if that's um, ever going to happen. It was Amway. Yeah. Or Seriously, something. I mean, Cobra is so Hydra that Cobra oh. Commander's origin to me is basically Arnold Brown's origin. Like, that's just which came first, Hydra? Hydra, yeah. Um, I don't even know if Cobra was a concept in the Barbie doll version of no, GI Joe's. I don't know. I don't know either. Cobra. Yeah, that's true. Wow, they're so Cobra. They even have like the themes and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think Cobra has a. Oh my god! I never realized this, but the skateboard assault team is on the cover, even. Yeah. Wow. And I'm pretty sure that skateboard agent Hydra Tigers was a comic book in the 80s. <laughs> they should have competed with TMNT. Yeah. Right. Um. Um. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 something. a near conclusion. It's a reveal. It's a bunch yeah. of bunch of shenanigans i don't think tony actually had to fly that brainosaur i think he just wanted to so he made it sound like he was the only one who could do it yep he hasn't invented a uh, iron man spacesuit i guess yet but i have really been enjoying how tony stark is a supporting character in this book i do too and never to ever mentions iron man really yeah there was that one time briefly where they like had him like disabled he's like if i just had my suit i i Stuff like this makes me wonder, like, in 1965, if you were a huge Iron Man fan, were you even aware that he was appearing in this? Because I, yeah, I was not. Yeah, they don't plug it or put him on the cover or anything. So how would you know, you know? Um, or would you when care? we were doing our cap read-through a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I started reading, I know what it was. Uh, Weeder had started the Captain America retrospective series. We thought about turning it into an ongoing deal, and so I started reading through 60s and 70s Cap. That was when mm-hmm. I first you know, did this. And that's when I found out that Tony Stark was showing up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because mm-hmm. when Captain America would show up in Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., Tony Stark would often be there. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize he was a part of it before that. Well, I knew he was responsible for a lot of their you know, weapons and stuff. They always say that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know he was like, I just thought it was like a throwaway line kind of mm-hmm. like in the MCU. It's kind of a throwaway line. Like, Oh, you know, Tony helped us develop these big giant things in winter soldier that are going to take over the world or whatever. But we don't actually see that. So I am surprised at how much he's in the actual story. It's kind of cool. I'm just sad that they blew up the furry wall at the end <laughs> with all the animal symbols for the department. I feel like, like, when this series first started, it was like, oh, all this Bond stuff was really cool. I actually thought it was like creative and inventive, but I'm not feeling the tuning fork and I'm not feeling the uh, the uh, Brainosaur or the Betatron bomb. They both seem a little bonkery weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like they're losing me a little bit, but that's they okay. Were, I don't think they were very well defined. Yeah. Skateboard and, were, and Hydra. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. They're not even good-looking skateboards. I mean, this is 1965, <laughs> so skateboards... You know. Just planks with wheels on them. Yes. Right. The fact that they're even called skateboards is probably a coincidence. Yeah, good point. Skateboards probably skateboard is probably the thing, lexicon right? in them. Yeah. Certainly it wasn't in 1955, because Marty McFly did that one skateboard thing and totally freaked out the kid. Yeah, <gasps> that's Maybe right. he inspired Hydra. Maybe. They probably saw it in the news or something. But yeah, I'm kind of ready for this. I mean, obviously Hydra is not going anywhere, but this chapter of Hydra is going some is going to end, and it's going to feel like Hydra's dead. And I'm just kind of ready to that to happen and for us to move on to something else. Yeah, I was worried. Like it seemed like they were setting up that Hydra was just going to be the issue of the week of the month villain every month. But I mm-hmm. guess I guess it's a story arc, and they're going away. So that's kind of cool. Let's see what's next. 
And maybe, maybe if Bob, was it Bob Powell? No, it was uh, Johnny Severin. If Johnny Severin had stuck on this book and done this issue too, maybe I'd feel differently because I was really loving this under Johnny Severin's art. Mm-hmm. And maybe just yeah. the storytelling would have been different here. I don't know. I think they're struggling to keep it going. Is this monthly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's weird. This got monthly before Daredevil and X-Men. Well, the anthology books were the, were the first monthlies. They were monthly the entire time. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I forgot this was our, this was a different book before. This isn't a new book. It's just a new story. <laughs> my, uh, daughter, my daughter yeah. tweeted, at me, not tweeted, but texted at me, did you just call Marty McFly a Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a YouTube video. Yeah. Uh, all right. Shall we, speaking of anthology, move on to the second part. Yes. The Pincers of Power. It's a Doctor Strange story, kids. Script, Stan Lee. Art, Steve Ditko. Lettering, S. Rosen. What more can you ask? Even though villainous Baron Mordo received unlimited help from the dread Dormammu, I've come to bargain. He was battled to a standstill by Doctor Strange. Finally, unwilling to witness the defeat of his own cat's paw, Dormammu, I've come to bargain, himself steps in with cataclysmic impact. So basically he twiddled his fingers and we didn't know what happened. It looked like they exploded, but they got Dragon Ball Z to an alternate dimension. Um, and now Dormammu's like, okay, I'm going to set up a fight. Before I do that, I got to cast some, I'm going to throw this like sleepy gas thing on the, uh, mindless ones, not to be confused with the faceless ones. Cause that way I can focus all my stuff on Dr. Strange and not have to worry about them. Cause normally his job is to keep them at bay. Uh, meanwhile, Dr. Strange, uh, easily defeats Mordo. He's like, what am I doing here? Because he got pulled to the same dimension and he tries to attack Dr. Strange. But Dr. Strange is like, now that your power is not being backed, you're nothing to me. Because this, this storyline that's lasted a really, really long time has trained me to be an even better sorcerer than you. Um, then all these like weird-looking Ditko characters come through the portal. They were summoned by Dormammu. They are each like the kings and queens of their pocket dimensions or universes. And they are there to witness because Dormammu challenges Dr. Strange to a fight, but let's not fight with magic. Let's fight with pincers of power, which are basically like yellow pincers that are connected to the wrist. I think they're made of energy. I'm not really sure, but he gives a pair to Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange goes to his boxing corner and uh, the Ancient One says, I'm sorry I can't help you or augment you or anything because I'm tired and I'm going to die soon. He's like, don't worry about it. I got this. And while everybody's watching, they start getting into basically just like a martial arts match with these lightsaber pincers. Um, and at first, Doctor Strange isn't doing so good. But ultimately, he does pretty good. I guess he's he's like, you know, Reed Richards chopped me judo and starts like tossing Dormammu around. And eventually gets him pinned onto the ground. And it's at this point that Mordo's like, oh, no, I can't have him defeating Dormammu because then what's going to happen to me? This is my chance. Well, he's not looking. And he shoots Doctor Strange in the back as that nameless girlfriend of his is forced to watch on the view screen because she's still trapped. Next issue, part seven of 65. (laughs) I think it's even more than seven at this point. Oh, uh, yes, it's definitely more than seven. It's probably going to be more than 65. But Yeah, the mindless ones, not to be confused with the faceless ones, not to be confused with the moloids, not to be confused with the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marvel has likes their monsters, I guess. Yeah, they're mar- monster henchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm amused that Dormammu basically just brought in a cheering section for this yeah. fight. Yeah, that went nowhere, huh? Yeah, it's just like, hey, y'all come uh, cheer me on. But he is for- he is more powerful than all of them. Yes, yes, somewhere, he is. Somewhere they say that, even though they are the you know rulers of their world. I thought it was kind of a weird way for Doctor Strange and Dormammu to have their showdown. They're wrestling with these arm weapons. Yeah. But, like, I don't think that Doctor Strange can challenge him magically. So I don't know if Dormammu just wants a good fight or I don't know. Why did they do that, I guess? Because he wrote himself in a corner and he can't have Doctor Strange beat Dormammu in a magic fight? Is that why? Yeah. As, That's yeah, why. I had similar thoughts. Like, they can't. I mean, Dormammu is, like, a death god or something. He can't just yeah. take Doctor Strange on by magic. I feel like he shouldn't be able to compete with him physically either, but I don't really know how Dormammu's body works. So maybe it's just normal. I don't either. I mean, he has family members, which implies like birth and mortality, but I don't know. I mean, in the movie, he's just a big purple face. So mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like he, he's much into bodies. But Do you remember the one, possibly the most problematic episode of star trek the next generation code of honor code of honor i don't know refresh my memory very very early first season like it's a third episode to air and um yar has to fight yarina oh Um, yeah 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 for some reason Uh this fight got me thinking about that i think it's the arm weapons Yeah. (laughs) yeah they basically wore like the sword on their hand or something it was like a like a claw with spikes poison tip uh-huh. spikes coming out of the back of it. And they, and they had to fight on a playground jungle gym? Mm-hmm. Jungle gym with uh, lasers. Yeah, right, lasers, yeah. Lightsaber walls. And they picked her because she was the chief of security and therefore the most awesome fighter. Desirable. And I didn't realize it until I looked up the character's name, that Yar and Yarina. So, like, Perfect. she had they had the same name. Yeah. I was, like, not super excited about this. And I don't know. It's like, why is Doctor Strange good at fighting? This is like the third time he martial arts people and stuff. I mean, I'll be honest. I am trying to keep a more positive attitude about this run than I'm actually feeling. So <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to project a bit more because uh-huh. to, to, I don't like, I don't like to, to wade in negativity. Yeah. But the eternity saga by Ditko uh-huh. is hailed and lauded. And honestly, it's, it's, it's like a bit nothing. It's interesting. I feel like between this and Spider-Man, he is losing interest. And I don't want to put words in his mouth because I don't know where he was at that. Maybe he loves mm-hmm. this. Maybe he thinks this is, was his best work at the time. But I feel like, and just because I know he's leaving soon, mm-hmm. like, is he just waning? Is he just kind of phoning it in? Because initially, like, Doctor Strange was very kind of interesting to read. Like, he had all these ideas that he wanted to, magic ideas that he wanted to explore. And now it just seems like the same old dimension jump again another dimension jump another dimension jump and spider-man's starting to slip a little bit at least in the villain department be curious uh, to see what you think next episode because we get we have the second part of the master planner story yeah but, um after we get past the master planner story i mean it's but it's does pretty, he leave he leaves dr strange too i assume right yeah he leaves dr strange and spider-man at the same time so yeah, after our current month which includes amazing spider-man 32 there are six more months of ditko oh wow okay so not that soon. Not that soon, but not that far. I mean, six more chapters of this story, six more issues of Spidey. We've had like 12 chapters of the story already, I think. I mean, it's been going forever. Uh-huh. It feels like he's just meandering and doesn't know where to go. That's what yeah. it feels like. I'm not saying that's true. Maybe he knows exactly where he's going, but boy, 
It's like there was a bunch of episodes there where it's like the same story happened, I think. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I like to go into each story trying to find the best stuff out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I'm done talking about this one. It's not a bad cliffhanger. Actually, it's a pretty good cliffhanger. I like the end of the chapter. Yeah. We'll see. And Clea needs a name, gosh darn it. Who? I know, right? Right. That is ridiculous. She doesn't have a name yet, don't you think? Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy ridiculous. And where's her dad? Anyway, <laughs> doesn't she have a dad? Wasn't that the whole point of her existence was to protect her dad? Yeah, her dad is and not now, there. He's, she's been captured by Tom. Right? <laughs> Apparently, he's like, anybody seen Clea? Oh, she's out playing basketball. Okay, for like six years. He's one of Dwama's chief disciples and does not know that his daughter has been kidnapped by his mentor. Right. Okay, shall we get into something suspenseful? Yeah, now this is a little cooler, sort of. Tales of Suspense 73, My Life for Yours, The Roar of the Crowd, The Acclaim of the Masses. All these mean nothing to a frenzied Iron Man as he thunders to the side of the dying Happy Hogan. And from this point on, we'll let the story tell itself. The, um, this ought to be some kind of record. All these bullpen buddies had a hand in this one. Stanley, Roy Thomas, Adam Austin, Gary Michaels, Saul Brodsky, Flo Steinberg, and Mary Ol' Marie Severin. Ugh. I think that is the first name of Roy Thomas in the credits. Oh, wow. Yep. And he's not going to be like a credited person in this story for a little while longer yet, but he is working for Marvel in some capacity at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Iron Man um, storms into the hospital looking for Happy Hogan. He goes into Happy's room. Happy's not there. No one knows where he is. Uh, Iron Man notices that the window is open and there's a hoof print on the windowsill. And he's like, (gasps) a flying horse must mean the Black Knight. So he flies out trying to figure out where the Black Knight could be. Um so he starts looking, and he eventually figures out the Black Knight's going to be at this castle. He goes into the castle. Uh, the Black Knight is there. Uh, the Black Knight has, like, some disguise, not disguise, but mirage powers. So he appears where he's not, and he can do multiple images, all to get Iron Man to, to you know, fight and wear himself out. Um, but he also has this ray he shoots at Iron Man, which starts his suit malfunctioning. So he basically collapses to the ground. Black Knight scoops him up and puts him on the back of his flying horse. They fly out into the sky. Um, Iron Man has enough strength to like wrestle with the Black Knight. They both fall off the horse. And I think Black Knight dies. <laughs> I'm not sure. But we don't ever see this Black Knight again, except for in the issue where it transitions to the other Black Knight. So I think he maybe dies here. Mm. Um, in any case, whether Iron Man just killed a guy or not, He uh, manages to cushion his own fall by falling in the water. Senator Byrd goes to Tony Stark's office. Say, where's Tony Stark? Pepper's like, I don't know where Tony Stark is. He's like, fine. I'm holding him in contempt of court. I'm going to swear out a warrant for his arrest because he needs to produce Iron Man because I'm the government. Meanwhile, Iron Man can't barely move. He stumbles back into the castle, finds the room where Happy Hogan is being held, Doctors and police show up because Iron Man calls them on his chest device. They find Happy Hogan. They take him off. They don't see Iron Man. And Iron Man is on the ground, just out of sight, literally unable to move as the last remnants of help leave him behind. So I've learned a lot on this show. One thing I've learned is that 
I am a fan of Don Heck, which I never thought about before. Mm-hmm. Especially Iron Man Don Heck. But mm-hmm. man, Gene Colan Don Heck, I'm, whoop, Gene Colan Iron Man is what I'm trying to say, is uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. This is really good art. Like, this is almost too good for 1965. Right. This could be 70s or 80s even. It's crazy. Yeah, this, this feels late 60s, early 70s to me. Um, I posted a joke on you know, the Internet's page five where Iron Man is walking away um, mm-hmm. because it looks very much like Peter Parker's pose in the Spider-Man No More issue from like issue uh, 50 or whatever. Uh-huh. It um, does. Needs a trash can. With the trash can, yeah. But it's just a beautiful page. Yeah. But I like how he makes – and it's just a trick because I assume Iron Man's eyes don't really move. But you ever notice that when Iron Man's struggling, at least in this issue, like he'll do – the shot from like below him, the camera will be under his chin. So it looks like he's in pain or something. It's mm-hmm. giving expression to a face that should have no expression. And it's just like a really cool technique that no one's been doing so far. It's a slight tilt to the eye slits. Uh huh. There can be slightly tilted upwards to the outward outside or downwards yeah. to the outside. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all he does. He does convey emotion with just slightly changing the angle of those isolates. It's totally cool. It's a cheat, but it's totally cool, and I, mm-hmm. I dig it. I thought it was really neat. I was pleasantly surprised by the idea that the Black Knight was going to show up again. I don't know. I, I didn't ever consider myself somebody who wanted to see the Black Knight again, but that cover was really good. And mm-hmm. um, we, we make fun of this trope of like, the, the hero finds like a laser bird and he goes, that could only be the unicorn. And we roll mm-hmm. our eyes because it could be like 500 other people that have lasers. But I'm going to give him props on this one and say that if you find a hoof print on the third floor of a building, that it's the Black Knight. That's cool. I'm down with that being his deduction. Yeah. Yeah. Who else could that be? We have seen the Black Knight three times before. Mm-hmm. There was the first time with Giant Man. There was one uh-huh. of the Masters of Evil. And there was the one where he's against Iron Man in the story they reference, uh, issue 59. I forgot he's not an original Iron Man villain. Wow, he's borrowed. He is borrowed. Wow, because he seems more like an Iron Man villain to me. Because, you know, a knight, right? Mm -hmm. The armor. Yeah, Giant Man. Where's Giant Man? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. (laughs) Few people care. That should be one of our first shirts we offer for our show. Where's Giant Man? Um... The end of last issue, Tony Stark said he had to go see Happy as Iron Man. We weren't sure why, but at least he stuck to the idea here. Mm-hmm. And um, the castle that has every stone transported from Europe. Okay. That was Count Nefaria's castle. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to headcanon that it's the same castle every time. You know, when he said that, it made me feel like I'd read that before. So I'm down with that. How many people transport a castle stone by stone yeah. from one continent to another? How many castles can be in New York, right? Right. So Iron Man has been here before. Maybe he just forgot. I don't know. I think they were a little loosey-goosey on the clues. Like he saw the hoof print and then he flies what he says is 30 miles. And between there, between where he started and where he finished, there was one glove that he somehow came across. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. Like, let's get to it, I guess. It doesn't matter. I did think that Iron Man losing his, uh, like getting injured in his armor felt a little gimmicky. His hyperactive transistors are causing a new violent strain on his injured heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, okay. I, I feel guess. like we just had that. We just had that transistor heart problem. Right. He really needs to work on that. He needs to fix that. If he's going to depend on this armor, he needs to get that thing working. <laughs> Every time he uses his transistors, it hurts his armor. So Iron Man kills a guy 
This is more like an accidental kill, but you know, his first appearance, he just straight up blew up that dude. So I guess he kills people anyway, right? Yeah. Iron Man don't care about that. He doesn't. He's a warmonger, right? But in this he case, like, I kind of feel like if you're being picked up by a guy with a Pegasus and the guy wants to drop you and you struggle and make both of you fall and the one guy doesn't survive, that's okay. It's called self-defense. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah. It wasn't like just straight up shoot him off his horse murder. If the vulture flies Spider-Man into the air and Spider-Man, you know, punches the vulture and the vulture dies as a result, but Spider-Man's <laughs> able to swing to safety. I mean, there's only Spider-Man so much you would, can do. Spider-Man would probably feel bad about that. He really would, but, you know. Yeah. Now, the Black Knight says, soon I shall be free to carry out the rest of my plan to eliminate the remainder of my meddlesome mm. nemesis, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, should we tell him? Iron Man's not an Avenger. I have more. It seems like these, <laughs> it seems like all the Avengers and all the villains of the Avengers are all about revenge on the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And they're not even the same Avengers anymore. And it's like, I'm getting tired of that, but... I have more to say about that, like, the next time we talk about Avengers, because I believe it's a revenge story. Uh, yeah. Like, next, the next issue we're going to talk about. <laughs> so, it just seems like the Kooky Quartet is saddled with this whole revenge thing, and it's like, stop it. Give them something new, or why does everybody want revenge on characters they've never met before? This is true. It's weird. Stop it. Maybe they don't fully realize that the Avengers that they want to get back at are not actually Avengers anymore. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> Um, Senator Byrd says Anthony Stark has been ordered to appear in court. And if he does not order, if he does not appear in court, there's going to make an or, a warrant for his arrest. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say, I can personally attest to the fact that not appearing in court is definitely cause for an arrest warrant. This definitely can happen. So just all y'all out there, pay your tickets, appear in court when they tell you to, you know. This is an, uh, I think we talked about this last time. This is like an Iron Man 2 thing, you know, wanting them to take him to the Senate to uh, hand over his tech and all that stuff. In this case, they're trying to figure out his person or his identity, but by way of that to also, I think, get the tech for themselves. Yeah. It's a control move. They want to know who Iron Man is. The Iron Man suit is not okay to be running around on a private citizen. They want to know who it is. They can hold him accountable. So much like the art, which I feel is advanced, I kind of feel like this plot thread is advanced too. Like I'm sort of surprised we're at this point already. Like they came Mm -hmm. up with this idea because this is a really real world reaction that might could happen if you were Iron Man. So I'm impressed. I didn't think we'd get to that kind of stuff already. I am digging it. Well, it took took a few Jack Frost and unicorns to get here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Very modern. Iron Man's about to die. Yeah, that's a pretty good cliffhanger. They just shut the door on him and as he's screaming like E.T. Wait. Ouch. Ouch. They left him in the bathtub. All right. Time for sleep? Uh, Yeah. But were you summarizing this or was I summarizing it? You are. I am. Okay, good. Yeah, time for sleep then. <laughs> I Where forgot. walks the sleeper? <laughs> uh-huh. Two decades ago, upon the eve of his defeat... The evil Red Skull, who's actually wearing his Red Skull mask this time, taunted a victorious Captain America with the announcement that he had hidden three beings, whom he called Sleepers, somewhere in Germany. Sleepers who would awake 20 years later and finish the battle which Hitler had started and lost. Now, in 1965, the first of these Sleepers has awakened 
And our story continues with a spellbinding script by Stan Lee, spectacular layouts by Jack Kirby, sensational penciling and scintillating delineation by George Tuska, stereophonic lettering by A. Simic. Wow. All right, we can hear that lettering in both of our ears. Yep. Okay, so the Robbie the Robot Sleeper is stomping across town uh-huh. and Captain America like throws his shield at him, throws his shield at a mountainside, does all sorts of stuff, trying to take this guy down and cannot stop him. So he hops on a motorcycle and is like, okay, um, I'm just going to follow this guy. There's, there's no way to stop him. Um, the, uh, the army base, the NATO divisional base up here might have missiles. Maybe that can stop him. So they got to, you know, he's trying to ride ahead of the robot. Meanwhile, Agent 2 has her task force digging a giant hole in the middle of a forest. They find a uh, metal casing with a big button on it. They slam their shovel down on the button. And the art says they blow themselves up. But the caption says, miles away, there's a huge explosion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And out of it flies a Romulan bird of prey. Yes. Or Mothra. Yeah, or Mothra. <laughs> Masura, yeah, Masura. Um, it's the second sleeper. It's basically the um, the pterodactyl zord from the Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So Captain America is trying to get to the NATO base, but then he sees this you know, bird flying overhead. It's like, oh, no, that's the second sleeper. Um, he wrecks his motorcycle in a trench, He's like going over this log bridge and the log breaks underneath him. So he manages to scramble himself out with the help of his shield, but he loses his bike. Then, oh, it's not, it's, it's Rodan because it flies by and leaves this big heat and wind effect behind it. So, um, Captain America gets caught up in the wind wake of the sleeper and lets the wind carry him up into the sky and he grabs Mothra's or Rodan's or Tyrannosaur's um, wing. Mm-hmm. He climbs up on top and there's this like cool little like like uh, grab on area up top next to the Nazi symbols. And the sleeper goes and grabs the Robbie the robot and they combine together, which is why I was thinking of the whole like Power Ranger thing. Mm-hmm. So now they're flying and like Robbie the robot is now being carried by these wings and using his claw lasers to like zap and blast villages and towns uh, across the countryside. Meanwhile, another agent walks into a pawn shop and demands the box that he entrusted to the person however many years ago, shoots the man who gives it to him. Um, walks outside and he says, let the third sleeper awaken as um, Captain America riding on the sleepers starts to get attacked by um, NATO planes. So he dives off the sleepers into the water and even the gang in the bullpen don't know what happens next. Woo. So for some reason, even though that totally is where they were, I kind of didn't think about how the sleepers waking up in Germany and killing Germany. It's like, why are they doing that? You feel like that would not have been Hitler's plan, right? Right. Or the Hitler's agent's plan with, with, with the Red Skull. It's like they're doing this to, to finish what they started. It's like, well, they already had started occupied Germany. That was like step one. So is this just like revenge because they lost? More revenge? I don't know. Yeah, he was holding these in reserve for Der Tag, 
which is the day, but that was supposed to be like finishing Hitler's takeover of the world, not let's burn the countryside of Deutschland. (laughs) Let's bury one in London, one in America. I don't know where else, the third one, but that that would have made more sense. Yeah. That'd be much danger, more dangerous and horrible. Um, Captain America uses the phrase turning tricks on page two. I don't think that's what that means. Where does he say that? Uh, page two, first oh, panel. can turn tricks. Perhaps that giant boulder balanced precariously above can be a prostitute. If I can just strike it at the exact balancing point there. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. work, does it? It's, it's a little weird. <laughs> can, turn the, can turn the trick. Maybe that, oh, it's not can turn tricks, can turn the trick. Is that like an expression I've never heard of? Yeah, I've never heard that one either. Can turn the trick. Is that like can can do the trick? Maybe there, Maybe that's why we say turn tricks for... Huh. Um, sex workers maybe that's an old old phrase that has lost all other meanings but it still has that one can turn the trick i'm just doing a quick like to achieve the desired effect or result it's in the dictionary.com weird i've never used that phrase before and i probably continue to not use it but <laughs> interesting some phrases you hear and you like to pick them up and some phrases you hear and you're like wow ah. i will never say that what did Kurt Busick just do? He was like correcting all our grammar recently, and I agreed with most of them, but one of them was like, no, that's not how I've ever used that, and that makes no sense. And now I can't remember what it was. So that was a great story. But anyway. He was correcting our grammar? Well, not grammar, but like sayings. Like some people say things wrong all the time. Oh. And so he was like, it's not this, it's this. And I was like, yep, I agree, I agree. No, that makes no sense. I've never said that. That's weird. I thought you meant like your and my grammar. No, no, like just in just general. English-speaking humans. He was just being, you know, snobby or whatever. Yeah. Um, as a fellow grammar snob, I can understand it. Right? Oh, yeah. It was in good humor, but there was did one of them that's the just like... Did you the same I did about this lady blowing themselves up? Um, not only that, but did you notice later the guy who gets shot in the face... It's like totally a bullet in the face, but the guy's like, the gas wears off and you awaken. Yeah. 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 So same thing. Gas like, does not normally say thuck. <laughs> right. So it's like the art wants to kill these people and the writer's like, no, let's be G-rated. Jack Kirby is totally killing people left and right in these comics. <laughs> <laughs> and Stan's like, no, no, that was just a pie in his face. That wasn't right. a grenade. That's so, weird. Why can't the German kill the dude in the face? Is that just wrong for kids or something? I mean, he is the Nazi. Isn't that what Nazis do? Yeah, he's a bad guy. And it's not even like, you know, gratuitous. It's the guy's face is off camera, so you don't really know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just seems odd to make that gas, I guess. I don't know. I really, really enjoyed this story and have nothing to say. I made, I wrote down three jokes, which I made in my recap. All right, I had this to ask you, and I'm not even going to do any research because I thought, I bet John just knows this stuff because I'm pretty sure he has done a watch-through of this stuff. But when Mothra came out, Mm -hmm. because I forgot that was what the shape of the second one was going to be. I thought they were all going to be like Robbie Robots. But the second one comes out, and it's Mothra, and I think, oh, this actually does seem kind of Godzilla-y, these big monsters coming out of the ground to attack. So, like, was Godzilla hip and popular in the 60s? Yeah, he oh, was, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I would say that the 60s was Godzilla's heyday. Yeah, so are they maybe borrowing a little elements from that in a way? I had not thought of that whenever like, we were in the Robbie the Robot chapter, but now that you say that, I feel that very much. This is like Rodan slash Mothra kind of combined elements yeah. and a Godzilla-like monster. Yes. they're like Now I want to know who the next sleeper is going to be. They're like monsters waking up from underground to terrorize the world that's kind of a godzilla thing 
Yeah. Much, right? Winged freak terrorizes. <clears throat> Wait till they get a load of me. Okay, next yeah. sleeper. It's more setup, but it's good setup. At some okay. point, he's going to have to take on all three. <laughs> the next sleeper is the giant red skull head. <laughs> oh, well, so much for that theory. <laughs> and I'll form the head. Right, right. I mean, that is why the platform's there. That is, it's, you're it's right. For, that, it's not for Cap to hold onto. It's not for someone to go joyriding on a Nazi manta ray. <laughs> no, it looks like a stand for a giant red skull head. Yep, yep, it's going to latch onto that thing. Okay. Well, speaking of giant heads. Yeah, look at this cover. We can go to Avengers number 23 with a giant Kang head. Now, I remember saying before that, oh, this is the first time we've done this cover motif of the really giant antagonist and all the heroes tiny in front. Mm-hmm. I think that was L'Enfant Terrible, the baby alien. Oh, yeah, possibly. Um, oh, and it's um, there was a Magneto cover that did that. Yes. Magneto and the Brotherhood towering over the uh, tiny X-Men. Yes. Okay, so should we get going on that one? Once an Avenger, dot, dot, dot. A blend of the finest story, art, and fantasy picked at the peak of Marvel flavor. Wow. By Stan Lee... Rollick and Ryder, Don Heck, Prance and Penciler, John Romita, Dazzle and Delineator. <gasps> John Romita? Yeah. And Sherigail. What? Sherigail. That's I'm the totally going to look them up while you. Okay. Talk. Lilting Letterer. Let's simmer for five minutes, then read with Gusto. Gusto. Feeling he has failed as a leader. We're going to call shenanigans on that. Captain America, last issue, walked out on the Avengers, and now that he is gone. The squabbling begins. So basically there's two pages of squabbling where Hawkeye's like, what are you guys all looking at me for? He just left. And Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are like, um, you've been a jerk, jerk, jerky jerk to him since you've been here to the point where the guy who's normally kind of cool and chill became a big old jerk jerk himself and just walked out on us. So really it's all your fault. And Hawkeye's response is, you're just going to miss him because you're in love with him. And she's like, shut up. And then she goes around the corner and cries because she's in love with him. Um, Meanwhile, Cap looks for another job. And he goes to this training camp in upstate New York as Steve Rogers in a cool suit. And he's like, hi, I'm looking for work. I'm like to be a trainer. And this big um, palooka guy's like, you're too tiny to be good at fighting. I'm going to punch you. And tries to punch him. And Cap knocks him out with one punch or two punches and some trainer guy sees that runs over says hey i actually represent the champ i'm not sure if the champ is actually supposed to be like the champ but it's a champ they keep calling him the champ and i need someone to spar with the champ so next thing you know that's cap's job he's in the shorts and they're wearing like the headgear and the boxing gloves and basically just like parrying with him and teaching him some moves and stuff when he can and at night he laments about not being an avenger meanwhile we cut to Kang, um, and he's a former Avengers villain, or a, an Avengers villain, and so guess what? Avengers villains are all about revenge, and he wants aven- revenge on the Avengers, and he's like, look, he's watching them on the monitor, he's like, Captain America's retired, and there's no Thor, Iron Man, or Ant-Man, so I should attack them at this point in their history, because they're super weak and lame. Um, at which point something weird happens, and I don't quite get it, but somehow he takes over, there's something that's flying through the air, that he issued and it's picked up by jets and they try and stop it, but they can't. And it crashes into the Avengers mansion and it's like behind a door. And so they're all, the Avengers go to rush the door 
but it's not actually a door anymore to a room. It's a door to a whole nother like like a ship or something, and they mm-hmm. get transported in time, or they get knocked out and transported. I don't really know, but the point is they wake up and they're captured, basically. Um, meanwhile, Cap's still training, and he hears a bulletin that the police have reported a disappearance of the Avengers, so he's like, okay, well, even though I quit and I hate them, I have to go help them. So he decides to take some time off, and they're like, no, you can't do that. And the champ's like, I'll show you. And he knocks the champ out with one punch because he's Captain America, and he leaves. So back to the Avengers. They're in this weird place. They're stuck under glass, which is what villains often do. None of them can get out except the weakest member, Scarlet Witch, points her finger and the glass breaks. But then she's like so weak from that that she almost falls over. But she manages to pull the lever and let the other gerbils escape. Um, they start running around, but the place is so weird and crazy that they can't really even figure out heads or tails. They're like, this is like an alternate dimension designed by Ditko or something. So they uh, try and swing across to another ramp. Um, but they get shot and they fall and there's lots of explosions. Um, meanwhile, all right. So this is also something I don't really get. I think this is supposed to be Kang's timeline, but Kang is letting some lady rule it. Even though he's the dominant force and took it over, he's in love with this gal. And so he's made her like the queen, but she does not like him back. And so his whole reason for existence is to like prove that, the more horrible and dominating and powerful he can be, the more likely she'll love him, which doesn't seem to be working for some reason. I think this is like one area he has not yet conquered. Okay. Like he's conquered he like could. a lot of the rest of the world, but he's trying to conquer this kingdom, but he loves Ravana. Okay. Okay. So yeah, he's basically like hoarding over the fact that he could conquer, but he doesn't. And so he's like, Hey, why don't you marry me? And she's like, no, I hate you. And they're kind of like queen. Maybe you should marry him. Cause he's going to kill us all that sort of situation. Um, anyway, he's like, I'm going to shoot the Avengers into another time. And she's like, well, she's standing there. She's like, well, if you're a real man, you'll let me pick the time. And the time she picks is where they are. So they don't go anywhere. Captain America had a thing, a recreator that Iron Man used. And I don't remember anything about this thing, but somehow that gets him to the same place they are. It's a big gun. I don't know. I don't even remember. And they don't give us an issue to look it up either. So maybe they don't remember either. But anyway, he reunites with Quicksilver, and they start busting heads, and they attack Kang, but even the speed and the shield and all that are no match for Kang's awesome, you know, advanced technology. He ends up, like, electrocuting them. Um, The, uh, I think, yeah, Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye suddenly show up, because I guess they all got separated. I'm doing a really good job with the summary. They all got separated, but they're all reunited now, and so now they're like in this arena and they're surrounding Kang and he's like, you know, I can still beat beat you all. And the queen is like, uh, I don't know if I should marry him or not. And he's like, listen, I'm going to defeat the Avengers. And then if you don't marry me, I'm going to attack your city. And it shows a picture of like his tanks and his force and stuff right outside her walls. And that's where it's left to be continued. So really weird. And I don't get it. And it's kind of odd, but I really like the story of this issue <laughs> right i really don't like the issue does that possible uh, i guess there are things i like about this story like yeah i mean i like kang showing up i like him dragging them into the future i like him trying to conquer a kingdom but being conflicted because he's actually 
in love with the woman who's ruling the kingdom. I like that she is actually conflicted about her affection for him as well. Um, but he's so bloodthirsty that she can't let herself give in to being attracted. Um, I like, you know, it's, it's very Kang that he's mm-hmm. like, my army will attack you unless you love me. <laughs> that is right. so Kang, the conqueror. Right. For sure. And, and Ravana is going to have this like huge, like place in Kang's heart and mind in the future. Um, but actually reading the issue is a little bit difficult. Yeah. I think they really took shortcuts on some of the time travel logic or something, especially how cap got there. I really don't get that, but yeah, the cat's America thing is the part that works the least because he just left his time tuner on, um, and cat's America just happened to stand in the right place. And the recreator, I don't remember that at all. I meant to go look it up in my Avengers index to see if it mentioned where it had been seen before, but yeah, I don't remember that at all. But even like how the other Avengers get there, like I get the idea, like there's an unidentified flying object. It's some, but they don't ever show what it is. And it crashes behind a door and the Avengers open the door and they think they're going into a room, but it's really the unidentified flying object. But it's like, so how big is this object? What does it look like? Why is it? It settles onto the top of the mansion and it looks like another floor of the mansion. But how would they stumble in? on that oh, by going through wow. a door. Okay. So that's page four. Is that what that art is supposed to be? Yeah. I did not understand that. I thought it was just the Avengers mansion, but you're right. There's like a floor, a new floor landing on top of the old building. Right. It so didn't that's, look that's like that. The, uh, it just looked the, like the Avengers mansion. So I want to okay. keep talking about the story, but I did find out about that lettering credit. Okay. So here's something that's a little bit sad. Uh-huh. Gale has been misidentified for a lot of history as this one letterer, Ray Holloway, because of similarities in lettering style. Okay. It's not Ray Holloway. It's a Japanese man who worked for Marvel for 40 years, whose name I have never heard of until Mm. just now. Uh Uh-huh. Mori Kiramoto. Okay. Died in 1985 of a heart attack. Worked for Marvel since the golden age. Wow. Because 40 years, 85 minus 40 would have to be 45. Mm-hmm. So um, he did, a, he was a production assistant. So he was involved in the actual mechanics and nuts and bolts of putting comics together. But I guess occasionally he would do stuff like letter because that stuff has to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen Sherry Gale in credits before. Sherry Gale is from Sherry, his daughter and Gale, his wife, both of whom survived him when he died in the eighties. And we just couldn't have any Japanese credits. You know what? Um, I think you're right. <laughs> yep. Just like a lot of the, the Jewish names were mm-hmm. altered. Mm-hmm. I think av- avoiding having Japanese names in the credits or was intentional. female names turned to male. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. I've seen Shara Gale. I knew Shara Gale was there. I had no idea what Shara Gale was. But I've never heard. Mori was short for Mamaru. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Kuramoto was his last name. And even now there's, there's very scant information on the internet about him. Um, Scott, if you're listening, I would love to know if you worked with this guy, uh, Scott Edelman. Yeah. Or um, know anything about him or. Yeah. That would be fantastic. So anyways, but back so, to the story. So what uh, do you think of, uh, uh, Scarlet, Witch pining for old Steve? 
Okay, so she has very occasionally voiced an attraction for Steve ever since they first met. Uh-huh. It has not defined her character. No. It has not defined their relationship. Mm-hmm. And I kind of dig that. She likes Steve. She thinks Steve is pretty good, nice on the eyes. She's attracted to him. She's not acting on it, but she feels it. And yeah, um, it's just not a big deal. I think they're playing it pretty weird. good considering what they usually do. Yeah. Right. It's not all about that. And in fact, she's even had fights with him despite liking him. Mm-hmm. You know, like last issue, she got into it with him that he was quitting. Mm-hmm. And also, I just noticed, at least, you know, as a Cap fan, like, a lot of a lot of the ladies don't pine over him. He's not that character, you know. They pine over Thor, or they'll pine over some bad boy like Batman or something. But like Steve's like the dad a lot of times. So it's kind of interesting when someone actually finds him interesting. I'd like to think that at the end of issue twenty-two, mm-hmm. Cap walks out. Two seconds go by, and then Wanda and Pietro just slowly turn and look directly. <laughs> At Hawkeye. They, it totally, that opening pinup looks exactly like that's what happened. Yeah. And he's like, dude, it's not my fault. And they're like, this is totally your fault, dude. You constantly <laughs> mocked him and challenged his leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Quicksilver's like, yeah, I did too, but not constantly. Like you. Constantly. And over the course of this issue, Hawkeye like feels some repentance. He actually starts to realize that Cap's a good thing and he needs to shut the heck up. Oh, yeah. That was one thing I skipped in the summary is like there was a bunch of times where they're like, remember what Cap said as they're fighting? Mm-hmm. And then even to the point where Hawkeye at one point says, remember what Cap says? And then after he did it, he's like, oh, my God, even I'm doing it. But even in his mind, he's like somehow Avengers Assemble doesn't sound right without Cap here. Yeah. So, see? Turning yeah, it's you, character growth. It's turning around. What you wish for. Um, we've talked before about how Kang doesn't really understand time travel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like page four, he is saying, you know, it is now the time where Captain America has left. And all you have to do is just slightly change that line to there was once a time when the Avengers right. had lost Cap. Now, obviously, yeah. over the decades, there are lots of times where they lose Cap. But he could just say, hey. There's this time where they're weak because Captain America's lost. I can attack then. Right. I, I mean, that's what I assumed he's doing is looking for a weak spot to pick. I think he's. I think he's just like reading through the Avengers in chronological order <laughs> with us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Yeah, he never goes to like 2028 and finds the Avengers there. No, no. But here we go again. And this is what I was talking about earlier. We have the Kooky Quartet saddled with an old. I say old. I mean, we haven't been reading Avengers that much, but like that long. But like, you know, a previous roster's villain who wants revenge. And this guy has all of space and time to pick where he takes his revenge. And he's picking characters that he's never encountered before, except for Cap, I mean, who's quit. I don't know. I feel like we, we've had we've had our share of, of other bad guys. Maybe it's just because um, the last one was also the Enchantress who wanted revenge on characters she's never met. And we just did this Iron Man with Black Knight wanting revenge on the Avengers. I feel like yeah. it's just like that's the new idea. And I would like maybe the Kooky Quartet to have a new villain or something. Well, they, have they had, had a lot of memorable villain? ones. I mean, they had Swordsman. Oh, yeah, that's true. They had, they had Power Man. But like you said, Power Man was a, a implement instrument of the Enchantress. And just Wonder Man, essentially. Um, and they had some other characters before that, but they weren't like, I mean, they're like the Mole Commissar Man. or something. Yeah. yeah, Mole Man's not really their guy. The Red Ghost for no reason. No, that was the previous team. Oh, they fought that guy, the communist uh, sumo ninja Japanese guy, Chinese mm-hmm. guy, whatever he was. 
That was like their second issue or something. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much longer they're going to last. I know at some point uh, Giant Man shows up again. but Yeah, well, it's Caps Kooky Quartet and then Caps Kooky Quartet plus Giant Man and the Wasp. Yeah. And it, it very slowly morphs out of that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the base. So I'm just hoping future issues, and it looks like we're going to have Kang next issue. So maybe after that they'll get like somebody new. I wouldn't have minded while Cap was moaning over losing the Avengers. I wouldn't have and like trying to figure out a life when he goes and gets the job boxing. Mm-hmm. If he just like said one line about how the whole thing with Fury didn't work out. That's true. We did kind of that did drop, didn't it? Well, as soon as they found the letter and, and turned it into a, a swordsman plot point, They've they dropped never, that story. And he never knew that part. Right. So does that mean he just assumes they never got back to him? I think so. And it will come back up, or if I recall right, it will come back up around the time that Cap and Fury actually meet. He'll be like, "Man, you never answered my letter." Yeah, I do. I do like, I, even though this really kind of has nothing to do with Kang, and ultimately he just easily reunites back with him. I do like this whole job thing he did. That was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that he's no longer on the team, they have to have a new weakest Avenger. Did you notice that they called uh, <laughs> Wanda the weakest Avenger? Who's probably. The most powerful Avengers of the four of them. But. Yeah. Still figuring it out. But already, I mean, guy who runs fast, guy who shoots arrows, woman who causes reality to change. <laughs> How is it not Hawkeye? You know? Like, are they just talking because <laughs> Hawkeye can bench more than her or something? I don't know. This I don't know. crazy that it's not always Hawkeye. Always Hawkeye. I like Hawkeye. I do, too. Dude, he shoots you, arrows. That's that. <laughs> if you're gonna say weakest Avenger, dude shoots arrows. Anybody on the team who shoots arrows in any team is probably the weakest member of the team. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Green Arrow, you are too. Now you did mention that uh, Kang was trying to get revenge, and this you know he's kind of he shouldn't be going after this team. But these Avengers also talk like they know about Kang. Mm-hmm. Which so is, oh, you know why? Why? Because he was on TV. He almost killed them, remember? The whole world thought they were dead. I'm, I'm taking this from Earth's Mightiest Heroes now, but remember his first appearance? Oh, yeah. That was like public worldwide shock that actually put everybody in support of the Avengers because they lamented their death and their you are, triumph. You are right. You are right. So I was thinking that like this is sort of a prototype of the um, Avengers archives. And like reading files about previous adventures. Oh, that would be good too. That'd be great. I'd love to see that line. Oh, you were in the Avengers database I was reading yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would imply that Hawkeye can read. Yeah, well, maybe Quicksilver read it. Read it to him really quickly. Um, hey, Mike. Yeah. Did you know the new Avengers team doesn't have the same sheer physical power as the old team? I had not heard that. Neither had I, turns out. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny they never talk about their brains either. Right. Because they just lost, like, Two scientists, three scientists also. But So, okay, page 17. There's an editor's note here that I'm not ever sure I actually ever processed. I don't understand it. Okay, I researched. Ready? Mm-hmm. Um, listeners, Quicksilver is running around Kang, and um, Kang says, You pathetic, pitiful, pitiful fools. Do you not see that you are only delaying the inevitable? The power is still mine. The final result is already written, and not all your speed, not all your trickery can change a word of it. With apologies to Omar Khayyam. So Omar Khayyam is a poet, Mm -hmm. a Persian astronomer and poet 
from the 11th and 12th centuries. Um, his work was published in English in 1859, and it was very, very, very popular in the 1880s, so much so that he had fan clubs mm. in the U.S. Um, so the quote is, the moving finger writes, and having written, moves on. Nor all thy piety, nor all thy wit can cancel half a line of it. So the idea is that once something has happened, it's done. And it doesn't matter how, you know, what kind of person you are, you can't change it. And so it's uh, kind of what he's paraphrasing here. I see. Yeah, I looked up the name and it was, it said it was a poet, but then it had at least like 10 or 12 words. So I gave up trying to figure yeah. out what the final result is. I assumed it had something to do with something he wrote, but he wrote a lot of stuff, I guess. He did. There's a lot of poetry out there by him. And there's a lot of like sayings that come from the poetry. Speaking of this scene, I also forgot that one of the ways that Kang fights them is that he has super science magic that enlarges Captain America's shield. And I don't think it was unenlarged. So that's interesting. I wonder like if they're just going to ignore that next issue or if somehow they have to shrink his shield back down. And there at the top of page 18, the giant shield is just sitting there on the ground. Yeah. And he doesn't have it at the end of page, uh, whatever this page is 20 either. A molecule expander. A molecule expander. Sure. Exactly. That's a thing. Make a note. Is his shield still giant at the beginning of the next issue? Yeah. I have a feeling it won't be, but let's see. But Ravana definitely does not completely hate Kang. Um, Mm. He is not at all a good person toward her. She's not a perfect person toward him. Um, And it's like page 19. It's not at all a feminist moment, but it does kind of represent political marriages. Mm -hmm. The dad does leave the decision up to her. Um, but then it becomes a moot point because the Avengers show up. I kind of, she says something like if he had wooed me with tenderness and gallantry, I might've hooked up with him, but I feel like that's not true. I feel like she kind of enjoys challenging him and seeing if he meets the challenge, you know, I don't know. But he, he, it's true that he does not say a single kind word to her in the entire story. No. And maybe she would just like a hint of kindness. I believe he says a kind thing about her to himself. Does he not? Like he may do that. He actually likes her. Mm-hmm. Oh, to one, my one chance to prove beyond a doubt that I alone am worthy of her love. So he does feel like he has to prove that he's worthy for her. Right. He's just a really terrible human being. Yeah. He just thinks that to himself and doesn't say it out loud. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Ravana probably enjoys the power trip. Mm-hmm. Probably would enjoy power tripping with Kang, but mm-hmm. between the two of them, she would like some kindness as they are lording it over other people. In between their games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's another Kang. That's another Kang. Um, honestly, I f- like I said, the execution does not quite live up to the story idea. But as far as the story idea goes, um, this is the first Kang story that I really like. It's better than the first one, for sure. And it's better than the Torch one. Oh God, I forgot about that one. So yeah, and it's better than better the Spider Man one. There was we haven't done a Spider Man Kang, have we? Yeah, he sent the spider robot to the Mexican pyramid. Kang did? Yeah. Holy, Issue eleven. Oh my gosh, you're right. Good lord. I hate that one. Oh yeah, that is the worst one. So yeah, I guess the bar's low and this is pretty good. <laughs> I guess we'll see how it wraps up, whether it's good, good, but Yeah, I I think the yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, speaking of wrap up, speaking of wrap up, wrap us up. Like it's my job. That's your job. Yeah. It's my job to wrap us up. So let me go to the end of my comic 
and bring up the list of comics. Oh my gosh, Mike. Next episode, we have the Fantastic 446. Woohoo. Among Us. No, that was the title of the last one. Those Who Would Destroy Us, but it has the Inhumans on the cover. It's that big Black Bolt cover. I love it, love it, love it. Amazing Spider-Man 32, Man on a Rampage. We get to find out who is the master planner. The X-Men 16, The Supreme Sacrifice, the conclusion to the Sentinel Saga, and Daredevil 12. (gasps) Kazar lives again. Wow. Sightless in a savage land. That makes sense. So um, I'm looking forward to next episode a lot, actually. It's kind of funny how they lump all the good stuff together and then all the okay stuff together. They need to stop doing that. You spread this out a little bit. Well, the next store after that has Hercules in it. So Ooh, I'm excited. I yeah. like Hercules. I just like flipping through on the, the stories that we got in the next couple, uh, next couple episodes. Uh, I'm not sure about those, but yeah. You got Hercules and Thor. <laughs> okay, so read those four, which we'll talk about next week. And if you want to follow along, it sounds like you already are because you're listening to me. But type Make Ours Marvel into your favorite podcast app. Um, or if you want to go check out our website, it's makeoursmarvel.com, and you'll find links to Facebook and Twitter and all the covers to all the content that we've covered so far, um, including the movies and, and uh, the mailbags, too, you can find there. You can also find a form to write to send us a letter, or you can email us directly at podcast at makeoursmarvel.com, where we uh, you know occasionally read and... And you should come be our friend on Twitter. Um, I am at John Reads Comics. Mike is at Kaiser the Great. The show is at Make Ours Marvel, like Mike said. Um, my other shows are Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast, which is at TFUK Podcast. If you like 80s Transformers, that's where to go. If you like 90s Image, then All the Pouches and Image Comics podcast can be found at All the Pouches on Twitter. And if you like the Scarlet Witch, I have been neglecting my Scarlet Witch tweet blog at Let's Talk Wanda. So let's see if I can get on that or if I'm just going to stop mentioning it. We'll see what happens first. So until Kang joins the Avengers, make ours marvel. Marvel.